0: He's gonna, gonna get, get you. you! He's gonna get you! He's gonna, He's gonna get, get you! you. Boogeyman is coming! Welcome to this week's episode of Daily Horror Habit, the podcast for horror obsessives. I'm your host, Jay Krieger, bringing you horror movie discussions every Friday for your twisted pleasure. And as always, be warned, these discussions may include spoilers. Continuing the month's theme of apartment horror is a discussion on the found footage apartment horror of 2009's Wreck 2, in which the writer and director duo Jaume Balaguero and Paco Plaza return to continue the story of their original 2007 film, Wreck, picking up moments after its conclusion. Wreck 2 follows a SWAT team tasked with escorting a doctor into the infected apartment building to uncover what has happened. And joining me once again is returning friend of the show, Greg Mucci. Greg, welcome back to the show, man. Hey, man. How's it going? Not too bad. I'm happy to uh, have you back once again. And, you know, I always love when guests give me an excuse to tackle a movie that I had just, you know, it's the nature of being inundated with film and games and stuff like that. Had seen the original before, but had just never gotten around to the sequel. And... I'm excited to dive into it, not only because it is a night of sequel, right? It's picking up moments after the original, which is, you know, a, I suppose a trope of horror movies that I've always been a fan of. And it's typically been around slashers, right? It's kind of been thinking about Halloween, Halloween 2, that transition. And I'm excited to dive into that. I'm excited to dive into it because it is, you know, isolation apartment horror, which has been obviously the theme of the month, but it's always been... A subgenre that you know, as somebody that grew up in an apartment for a long time, I always kind of had an affinity for those types of movies. Um, and then also, you know, it's a found footage movie, and I've been kind of hit or miss with found footage movies over the years. I think within the last few years, I've definitely gravitated more towards them because you know there have been you know an explosion of the genre, and I think we've gotten a lot of uh, a lot of mileage out of that in new and exciting ways recently. Um, but I think before we dive into Rec Two. Um for you, like what do you think is an inherent strength of apartment horror films? Um, what do you think kind of makes them distinctly unique from other subgenres?
1: Um, I mean, I guess on like a production level, it allows just for, for the budget to be a bit more allocated elsewhere when it comes to sound design or gore. Um, but I think most importantly, I think that the best apartment horror sort of deals with the confinement of it all and it deals with claustrophobia. Um, I mean, I think like repulsion and rosemary's baby i think are like you know uh inherent classics and i think that those sort of deal with the psychology like the mental breakdown of being sort of sequestered and i mean especially when you're dealing with neighbors you know in in rec 2 uh the neighbors are not alive so it's not really an issue but i feel like rosemary's baby did that particularly well where they're you know She's inundated with these nosy neighbors versus here, you know, they're sort of inundated with the savage brutality of these, you know, quote unquote infected neighbors. But, you know, I think like the best ones, I mean, I consider child's blood sort of apartment horror. Um, definitely not absolutely at, sort of maintained as, let's say, like Demons 2 which was originally you know what i wanted to talk about but that's you know a very beloved movie i think at this point um and one that i actually just recently kind of saw um last halloween for the first time um and i just keep on thinking about everyone at that 80s party dancing to the smiths um before you know shit goes crazy but uh, Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I consider 1408 apartment horror, even if it's a hotel. It's just you know, you take a room, uh, and I think 1408 is excellent. Probably one of my favorite of the what would it be mid 2000s. But yeah, I think it's its ability to tap into the geography as a mental state, and also the geography as your mind, and sort of. You know, either breaking that down through intrusion, it being a home invasion, or dealing with, you know, supernatural. Uh, and yeah, I think that's why, and I mean, we could go into this in in a bit, but why I was very, I kind of bummed at the direction Wreck 2 took. Um, because, and I don't know, it, it feels weird for me to say that, because I think it being um, a zombie film. And dealing with infection is already sort of like you know a worn trope but then the direction it takes is also another worn trope that i'm just not generally the biggest fan of but i think movies like dark water um the original um by hideo nakata does it really well um but yeah i think it's its ability to sort of hone in on one location and amplify everything else and i think that you know you can tap into different subgenres with that, be it slasher, home invasion, or sort of psychological. Um, And I mean, Rec deals with it being a found footage film, so it has a lot of room to play with.
0: Yeah, I think that that's perfectly put in that it's more about, you know, what is contained within that and, you know, the sort of lives of others aspect that they explore and seeing how, you know, being confined to this space whether you can leave or not right because you know repulsion and rosemary's baby it wasn't a matter of not being able to leave but just kind of capturing moments that initially are very you know normal i think anybody that's lived in an apartment building you've always had a neighbor that was maybe not part of like a demonic cult per se but like definitely has like weird behavior that you've noticed and then almost you kind of try to like piece together a story about this stranger just based off of that, like, strange interaction you had when you both went to go take the elevator or go to the mailbox or something. And I what I really do like about Wreck is that you get a great sense of the different personalities that are in the building, mm-hmm. you know, before we kind of have that moment where, okay, now we're just dealing with infection and that's what the rest of the movie is going to be about. Um, and it captures that in a way that I liked because it mostly is just allowing... These people that are, you know, in a tense situation initially when they don't know what's going on, but they show who they are rather than us having to be told, like, listen over here and cover, oh, that's so-and-so, this is the type of person they are. Like, we see that come through of the characters because of, you know, a situation that, of course, is going to escalate with every minute that passes in the movie. And there's something organic about that in the original that I really liked. Um, And I guess before we get into REC 2... You know, briefly, how did you feel about the original film?
1: Oh, I love it. Um, I actually rewatched it not too long ago. Um, it's one of those movies that I, I think it's it's got to be like 79, 80 minutes. It's like it really just dives into it. But I think like you touched up on it it like all the apartment um dwellers they sort of like gather at the bottom of the stairs trying to figure out what's going on and they're sort of with you trying to figure it out figure it out because you're you know part of a camera crew that's going in with the firefighters and it adds this air of mystery to it and it adds sort of this like craze and this mania because you're seeing these people sort of in real time react to it and they're being quarantined and like windows are being you know uh, gated shut and there's a threat of being shot if you try to escape um, and there's definitely like a mania to it and that's just with those living and breathing and I think that when the movie because of its short run time it just sort of you know there's like a boost of adrenaline immediately I think you have like a body it falls down the stairwell in the center and then it just kind of kicks off and you have the zombies running at them and I think that Wreck 2 captures that really well that is sort of like manicness of the zombies. Um it does it really well. And I mean it's definitely tapping into the running zombies that Danny Boyle sort of created with 28 days later. Um but that I think you know we're sort of you know honed and amplified with Dawn of the Dead remake. Um, but I really like it. I mean I I know there are people like Matt Donato who's a huge uh found footage fan and I'm very selective um i think there's a reason um i forget the name of that uh found footage film that recently just came out from
0: incantation
1: I'm uh, the director of uh host um
0: oh dash cam
1: yeah every really time to watch that because i mean i watched the trip well, i mean aside from i think just hearing abysmal things about the themes and what they're doing with an actor and their sort of political agenda and shit like that. But I just watched the trailer and it's way, way too uh, chaotic for me. Um, But I mean, I'm somebody who saw Blair's project in theaters opening night and it was like a sold out show. And I like loved it when I fell in love with it. Um, But it's not a genre that I gravitate to. I try, I've watched all the VHS films and it's one of those things where it's, yeah, the segments aren't it. There's no like I'll really love one and I'll hate the rest. And it's just what you do with it. And I think Mm -hmm. Rec handles it really well. Um, And in Rec two, it's a lot less, not disorganized, but there's more of a steadiness. And I think that has to do a lot with the audience knowing what we're going into. Like there's no surprises really. We've been here before. We've seen what it is. And like yes, there is a twist um, that I mentioned before that I'm not the biggest fan of, but uh, the camera work is a lot more steady, and I think that it works because it ends up feeling very much like a video game. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I yeah I'm a fan of Rec. Uh, I bought the box set from uh, Screen Factory when it came out. Uh, I mean, I say I'm a fan, but I haven't watched three and four yet, but I will change that within the next week because (laughs) fresh running off this one.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree in terms of the original film, you know, really utilizing every minute of that 78 minute runtime in a way that it really hits the ground running, does a great job of introducing the protagonists, you know, their role in being this film crew, them being, you know, embedded with the fire department and going through that. And it feels like a very natural, again, escalation of infection, spreading the generalized chaos that ensues. And, you know, I would say that when you go transition to REC 2, right, And that we're changing from the film crew, obviously, to this time a uh, SWAT team, right? And it's the same thing. They have one person has a steady cam or a camcorder, and then the rest of them have helmet cams. I, you know, I was a fan of the fact that that film very quickly, you know, introduces us to the new crew, the new protagonists, they get us into the building, they get us, you know, caught back up with what's going on. And then they kind of continue up and they go through the building and whatnot. And at the same time, though, like, there definitely is a point in the movie that it, SWAT, it switches um, the perspectives, right? Because you clearly go from the SWAT team, and then it's those kids that have a camcorder. And that's like the halfway mark, almost of the movie. Um, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, but yeah, overall though, just the way in which the movie tries to expand upon the premise of the original film and going down this other Avenue that ends up like having a twist to it. I don't necessarily think I was a fan of, especially when compared to the original, but at the same time, I appreciated some of the changes that they made to the found footage format in that, you know, they include more perspectives of the camera. They make it feel a little more, connectivity between the crew right and i was a fan of some of the modern amenities to that you know you have of course the hand cam but then sometimes you have the helmet cams being on top of that footage so you're getting this dual perspective at the same time which like you said it definitely makes this feel more like a video game especially of course they're armed they're swat members um and i was a fan of that for some of the action moments obviously but overall, it just feels like they took that. And it's, Wreck 2 is not a much longer film. I think it's probably less than 10 minutes longer, but it definitely feels like a longer movie than it actually is, just because it does try to do so many different things. And it tries to apply a lot of exposition to what doesn't necessarily feel like it's needed. You know, that was something that made the original so great is that, it's touching upon certain subjects, especially, you know, once they find the room at the penthouse at the end of the movie. But Rec 2 concerns itself with explaining a lot. And there's a lot of extraneous interactions. Um, I guess, how did you feel about them changing up the protagonists and the implementation of, you know, a new lens, so to speak, with exploring the apartment? I mean, I'm assuming
1: that we can sort of talk spoilers.
0: Yep. Um, Spoilers are good. Yeah. I mean, this movie is
1: 85 minutes. So, yeah, you're looking at six, five minutes longer. Um, I mean, the explanations and the exposition in the first one felt fresh and I felt inviting because we are in the unknown. And here, the, yeah, it's a lot of bickering. It's a lot of bickering between the force, which also, I don't know. I, they're sending four SWAT, men, SWAT members in. Maybe they should send more in. And then I think my issue with it was like, yeah, the twist ends up being that it's not an infection, so to speak. It's supernatural. It's like it's possession. And so they send in someone who's supposed to be a scientist, Dr. Owen, and he looks like the most nefarious man ever. because He <laughs> really does. He's tall, gaunt. He's got a facial scar. And I'm not saying if you have facial scars or whatever that you're evil but he just lo- he just reeked of you know, wrongdoings and the twist ends up being that he's a priest and he's not the first one that's been sent in but he's sent in there to retrieve a blood sample from um a, a, a little girl um and yeah so there's no there's like an agenda with him and this ends up once the four SWAT members end up discovering that there's uh, it, what feels like a good 10 minutes of yelling. just a lot of bickering, and I think it's supposed to add to the chaos of it, but I don't know. I I love The Exorcist, and there's... I love The Exorcist 3. Uh, I think The Exorcist 2 is pretty, but also very boring. But, like, I'm just not a demonic possession, supernatural. And, I mean, I say this also having uh mentioned demons 2 before which is a possession film it just happens to be a mask that possesses them i guess i just get really tired of the sort of like catholic shadow that looms over these movies and like the you know the crosses and the the holy water and it just gets kind of boring and i thought that the, like this guy not being who he was way before his reveal was very predictable to me And I guess it just sort of added to the exhaustion and it is an exhausting movie and not in necessarily a negative way, but like at 85 minutes with, you know, at its, when it's breakneck, it's, it can be very tiring and in a good way, because I think what this movie does really well. And because it has, you know, it goes from the first movie having one POV, which is the camera crew. Uh, this one has four POVs, so it's got police camera, helmet cameras, then the kids come in halfway through their camera, and there's a local TV camera, and so I think that what it does really well with these POVs is that it taps into not only feeling like a video game, because you have these SWAT members who seem a lot less trained than you might think, but they're, the burst fire feels very first-person shooter, um, when they're firing at zombies coming at them. Uh, like the the chaos of the zombies i think is really fun and it's really scary um but then also the sound design because you have because the sound design i think is is like the primary reason why i would love to watch Rec one and two back to back in the theater is because i think they even like created it with this idea of like 3d sound in a theater to sort of amplify it because you have like you know the fuzz from one pov with um and you know but i think uh, the sound designer was Oriol Tarago. um and he said he was less concerned with reality as the audience already knew what was going on and so he sort of creates all these sound designs with what's going on outside in barcelona and he creates what's happening you know the sounds of the of the cameras the men the men in the room the zombies and i think it's like one of the one of like the, the, the best parts of the movie is just listening to it and i think that it's you know the sound editor it does it really well but on a story standpoint and i think i might enjoy it better on a rewatch knowing what it's going to do i was just sort of frustrated with it um but yeah i i think i think it's still i haven't stopped thinking about it you know so you know, that's say that's saying a lot um and i mean there is another twist that happens at the end that we can you know potentially talk about but yeah, I kind of liked it just being a simple infection film because it, we, I guess, all in all, we don't get that many apartment horror. We don't get that much apartment horror. We don't get that much apartment zombie infection horror. And I don't know. I, I feel like it wasn't running out of steam. But, you know, I am, from what I know of the third one, it goes, you know, it expands it. And I think it does go back to being more infection-based, but, you know, I'll have to see, so.
0: Yeah, you know, I think you make a great point, um, a couple of great points that I want to circle back around to. You know, first and foremost, the interactions with the squad mates and, of course, Dr. Owen and whatnot and the bickering, right? The big difference I find between the bickering in this film compared to what you could say is bickering in the original film is that the bickering in the original film, it was kind of just – capturing people and seeing people's reactions to a very chaotic and unknowing situation now that we know about what's going on the fact that there's all this kind of bickering about a situation that we already know and informed about it kind of just feels like a waste of time really because it's like well we know this guy knows but we're wasting this 10 minutes of them just fighting about something and as an audience member it's tiring, right? It's kind of having the answer while other people in the room are kind of like bickering about the initial question. Um, I would say also in terms of you know the multiple POVs, I think that it helps show the scale of the movie, right? If anything, it kind of almost breaks the inherent isolation of apartment horror and that you get a semblance of what's going on outside. You are furthermore reminded like this massive presence outside, like you said, capturing the sounds of Barcelona that aren't just, you know, the creatures and infected screaming in the building. You get a true sense of like, Oh, there's all of these things happening outside around us. That is what is keeping you in there. You know, in the original movie, of course you have that moment where the snipers start shooting at them when they're at the windows. And of course they're not allowed to leave, but really you don't have to have a lot of moments like that in the sequel because you're reminded of this sort of oppressive shield that's keeping them in the building the whole time because the cityscape and the sounds that are being captured. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think in regards to like the first twist where, you know, of course he is not actually a doctor, but is this agent sent from the Vatican Vatican um, again, like you're kind of just anticipating it. And when, the twist is something that ends up being just very generic. Mm -hmm. It is disappointing that they waste so much time, you know, casting this illusion over who he is when, like you said, in the terms of like a genre movie, he is the, you know, a massive red flag just in terms of his overall look, right? I mean, in the context of a movie, you can't not be like, oh, that guy is up to something shady, right? Um, And so the fact that, you know the first 20 minutes of this movie are spent being like oh what's he seems to know a little bit like playing that whole game about how much does he know what is he not telling them paired with the bickering between the squad and especially when you know that his uh, true identity is revealed you're like okay let's let's get back to like what this should be which is part of the mentality of sequels right is that maybe go a little bit bigger now because you don't have that same illusion of oh what is happening let's learn what's really going on which This movie definitely capitalizes on that in its moments, I think. Like you said, you know, the first-person shooter kind of nature of the look of it. Now, you know, you have this heavily armed squad. We do get some awesome moments, I think, in terms of them dealing with the infected, getting these fights or firefights with them. And there's definitely one scene in particular which is, like, pretty harrowing, I think, in terms of when one of the squad mates basically locks himself in a bathroom. The infected are breaking through the door. And you get this really somber moment where he essentially is contemplating and then follows through with committing suicide, right? And you get that shot of the camera catching the reflection of what's happening. And it's really a, truly a heartbreaking moment in the movie. But that is probably one of the most horrifying moments from just a traditional horror standpoint that you get in the movie. And it's probably one of the moments that I think best utilizes the found footage aspect from something other than you know, a traditional storytelling just in terms of like blending action with horror and then allowing the horror to really shine in a way that I don't know necessarily the sequel ever truly capitalizes on again until the end of the movie, at least.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, at all saying suicide an easy way out because it's not, uh, I think that with their budget, 5.6 million, you know, and they ended up making 18.5 and they shot this in November and they finished in December. So it's kind of crazy how much money, how little money they spent, what they did with it and how quickly they did it. Um, but going back to what I was saying before, I'm not saying suicide an easy way out. I just think that they could have gotten a little bit more creative with it. I think that it was an, a little bit too tidy of a way to wrap up their part of the story or at least separate them because he's in a locked room. There was a window. Um, yeah. I don't know. I guess when I see suicide on screen, I mean, as someone who just like deals with depression, it, you know, it hits me, but also, I don't know. I guess I just don't like to see it used that way all the time, but you know, that's my own personal feelings about it. But yeah, I mean, I think that when you, I just didn't have much of an attachment to Lara And like the, you know, I think there was Fernandez, Martos, Rosso, and Lara. Those are the four SWAT men. I really liked Lara. Um, but I have no real attachment to them. Um, it wasn't like the men uh from the first one, where you have sort of more time to sort of become acquainted with them, especially Angela. Um, but here and I mean, I guess knowing what's in the apartment, we sort of expect, you know, for most of them to not make it out. So maybe that's, you know, sort of the obvious hook. Is that like, oh, well, we're not gonna give you much to go off of or much, you know, to, uh, to, to get behind with these four men. I did really like Lara. He was with them for most of the time, I believe. Um, but then you have these four kids come in, uh, Tito, Mire, and Ori um and they end up kind of following a firefighter um and i really liked him is martos and i thought that was like he ends up getting killed because mire the uh little girl, uh, the teenage girl ends up ha- getting a gun and he's struggling with a zombie and she tries to shoot the zombie in the head and she ends up shooting him and that was like, super startling and that was like sort of a gut punch and i you know, really applauded that, and was like, "Ah, oh, fuck, that guy just died. That sucks." Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that I don't know. I watching this movie, everyone sort of made a really stupid decision, and I was like, I was watching this, and I was like, "All right, this is a 2009, and this movie already sort of thinks religion, teens, and cops are sort of stupid because." I, they all just made really bad decisions. And I think the four SWAT members, they sort of followed Dr. Owen a bit too far. Like he had jurisdiction over them. He, you know, said whether or not they can go. And I don't know. I think they gave, they gave him the upper hand. It was stupid. Uh, but what I really loved about the switch midway through going towards the teens was that you sort of get this sense of like rebellion in these teens and they sort of like this uh, this unrest that them wanting to sort of live life and capture, you know, uh, I don't know, I guess it's like tap into what fun they see and live in the moment and it ends up being a terrible decision. But I love that you sort of get their psychological state and they end up sort of crawling into this apartment and getting sealed in. And it's almost like they crawled into somebody else's mind and now they had to escape it. And I thought that was, like, really, really, really great. Um, And I thought that this movie's a a bit nihilistic in that, because all three of the kids die. Um, And I just, like, kind of applauded that, which I thought, you know, sort of helped mend the possession supernatural angle, um, because, you know, you ended up getting more supporting characters that I could sort of get behind, because I thought for the most part, when you we were with Dr. Owens and the four uh, SWAT members, like I was like, Oh shit, okay, this is we're just getting these guys. I don't know. this movie might be longer than it actually is, but it does really great things with its p o v s and with its characters uh that I applauded.:
0: I really, really like how they connect the characters that are introduced in the second film to the first film, right because, of course. You know, what is the natural reaction? They're going to send in a SWAT team. So that's going to be our main POV. But then the people that they include in the second half of the film, you know, half of them have a direct connection to the building itself, right? Like the firefighter, he even says at one point, he's like, well, my men have gone missing and you do get that true sense of like brotherhood and firefighters, right? It's established in the first film, of course, but then there it's like, well, why is this guy just going to like try to break quarantine and run in there? And it's like, well... It's very clear because it's been established in the original film, like they have that bond. And even when the firefighters are interacting with the police officers, you know, they're supposed to sort of be working together. But it is very much like the firefighters stand by the firefighters and the cops stand by the cops. And so you get the true sense of like, well, this guy is going to do whatever it takes to basically go in there and help his brothers as much as he can. And then, of course, the person that he's escorting is the father of the little girl who is basically patient zero the infection and while the three teenagers are not directly tied to that building it does sort of like you said it does capture that sort of rebelliousness of teens right of being a, a young adult and making stupid decisions and of course in this movie that is extrapolated to the worst decision they could ever make but you know being kids and trying to capitalize on a chaotic situation that's essentially it makes them feel like well We can do anything because the authorities are too busy with this situation so we can do whatever we want yeah and i think that the introduction of the teens and then you know we know their fate of course they end up getting killed but there is that sort of nihilistic uh tone throughout to you know the second half of the movie is all about tracking down the infected kids so dr owen can get blood samples from them to try to develop a vaccine And all of those, you know, children, small children get killed too. So this movie has a real affinity for not shying away from violence in a way that, you know, the original film didn't shy away from violence, obviously, but it feels like it's heightened in a way that is fitting for a sequel. I think almost, you know, if it is abiding by that mentality of, you know, uh, bigger and, you know, better is probably in quotes there, but, you know, of extrapolating things from the original film And in doing so, you know, the setting is not going to change, so they have to ramp up the violence in a way that I think works for this movie. I don't necessarily know if, like, that would work in the original movie. But I think here, just in terms of, like, all of the players that are here learning their fate, seeing their fate unfold, you know, the increased violence, I think, actually makes this a much darker and angrier film that is fitting for an infection type of a movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was something that I was, you know, I <laughs> sounds funny to say, but pleasantly surprised by with the sequel.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing that I missed the most, though, about um, sort of like what I love about Wreck was that Wreck, I mean, we talk about this movie sort of looking and feeling like a video game, but Wreck sort of had almost like levels, like you go to the second floor and here's this we're gonna investigate it and this did this a little bit and i mean i was very surprised for 2009 it definitely played with the idea of jump scares in one scene one of the SWAT guys goes in um because he hears a turntable and it's like the one time you have music in this movie um in in this diegetic and he goes in and the way his camera is moving it looks like left it looks right like you're you're totally expecting there to be a zombie or someone to run at him. And I guess, I don't know, late 2000s, I was sort of surprised that they didn't have a very cliche jump scare. It's no, it's like, if you watch anything from early 2000s and someone closes a mirror, 99% chance. um, (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think, I think that this movie, it, rather than having it be sort of level based, it was just like, all right, well, this entire building is one level. We're not going to have sub levels, really. And then we're just going to throw in players. And I guess you can look at them as like bosses, but I thought bringing Angela back was really fun. Um, and you have um, the main sort of protagonist, I guess, uh, Medeiros, um, played by Javier Botet, um, which apparently took seven hours of makeup every day um because i was reading an interview with with him and he was talking about how it was just so heavy and because they're so tall and thin that like it really affected them on like a respiratory level but Mm. they 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 made a quote um about the building and they said that the building is one of the actors and i thought that was like really cool because yeah i think that this entire apartment complex is breathing and it's almost as if like all the infected are like pathogens sort of passing through these hallways. And I just like, love that idea. Um, but then, you know, kind of touching back, touching back on like sound design, apparently um, they mixed human screams with animal sounds to get the zombies. So I think that like added to the, like the ferocity of it and when it goes full action, I think it's excellent. I think it's, I think it's better handled than the first. I just don't think it's as scary. And obviously we already know it's gonna happen. We're sort of more accustomed to it. So that's a bit unfair. That's like a you know, a, a high standard to hold for a sequel. Um I know a lot of people that seem to love this movie more than the first. I'm not there with it yet, maybe ever. I don't know. But yeah. Uh yeah, I think I think I think the, the, the apartment itself is Handled differently, and I appreciate that it wasn't them trying to sort of replicate what they did with the first.
0: Yeah, and I think that that's a great point because it almost builds upon a jump scare. For, it does in in this particular moment, right? It builds upon a jump scare at the end of the first film, right? When they find they go into the penthouse and they find that basically crawl space up above, right? And there's that moment where there's a zombie kid that kind of jumps at the camera and whatnot, and. They have that moment again in the sequel, but this time there's nothing there, right? And of course, the viewer is like, oh, I'm anticipating another jump scare, which if this had been like any other movie from the early 2000s, they probably would have just like cashed in on that again. But if anything, they take that moment and they, again, they increase the scale of it, right? Because not only do they swap members look up there. But then they actually end up crawling around in the crawl space, right, up in the ceiling. And it's not just one infected kid, but there's a whole legion of them. Um, And I really love that because it kind of, again, is multiplying the scares that were in the original film. But not just from in terms of like having a lot more scares in the movie, but the scares that are in it. I feel it just it capitalizes on it in a way that you get to see more of the infected, more of different types of infected, I guess, you know, children and Uh, adult infected, but you just get to have those moments that you don't necessarily think that the original film would have been better if you had had moments where you see these hordes more often, but in the back of your mind or the back of my mind, at least I always kind of wonder like, Oh, that was a great scene. It'd be even cooler if there was like five or six of them. And to get more moments like that in this movie with action on top of that, um, I think it capitalizes on that in a way that doesn't allow the apartment itself to necessarily be, you know, overly repetitive, right? That's kind of the fear when you're kind of returning to that single location horror film, specifically in this case, an apartment horror film. It's like, well, are you going to be able to make this setting interesting as it was in the original? Are you going to be able to make it as thrilling, as exciting? And, you know, to varying degrees, I think they do that in rec two. It's not necessarily capturing the same tension of the original or the same buildup because, as we've said multiple times, right? It's we already are in on the secret and what's going on, but I think they do a great job of not allowing the space itself to feel overly redundant because then if anything, you're kind of like, okay, this feels like more of the same, which I don't feel I can say that about this film, even if, you know, we've mentioned some elements that don't work, especially when they try to expand and explain things in a way that's ends up not being completely necessary. But I think they do a good enough job of making the space itself equally terrifying in different ways.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I mean, there is that that scene which I know. I'll be completely honest; I don't really quite understand where they're using uh, the night vision to sort of see things that aren't there. Um, hmm. and I don't know. Was that was that clear to you when that was happening? Because uh, I'm not really sure why.
0: Yeah, so I really, really like that entire section of the movie. I do think that perhaps the visual language of that conveying that scene is a little muddled. Um, But, you know, after a period of time, I really liked the idea that it's probably the only aspect of the demonic horror side of things that I like. Because like you, Mm. I'm not into a majority of possession horror and this sort of just, you know, this... Fear mongering, kind of Catholicism that we have to get regurgitated over and over. These are the rules, these are the props that have to be used and whatnot. Um, And I think that that was the most interesting aspect of channeling that because, you know, what is it reliant on? What is reliant on overcoming that? It's the found footage aspect of the movie, right? It's the camera, it's a function of that camera, which I think is really smart because that's something that I can say about Wreck and Wreck 2 that is not always the case with a lot of found footage movies. There are a lot of found footage movies that I've seen that, you know, sure, you have the found footage viewpoint, but they don't necessarily utilize the camera in a way that I feel justifies it being a found footage movie. And in this, like the found footage aspect is literally a tool that ends up saving them or, well, it ends up being uh, the solution to the puzzle of how do we progress through this penthouse? Um, And I thought that that was really interesting and utilizing it as a puzzle solving technique to basically venture into what is, I guess, best described as like another world, right? It's getting to progress through things that to the naked eye, it seems like it's impenetrable. Like it's a wall that you can't get through. But if you use the VHS night camera, then you can walk, walk right through it and whatnot. And you can see things that the naked eye can't see. Um, I thought that was just a really ingenious way of using that POV found footage format, um, which... I struggle to think of any other use of that in found footage movies.
1: Yeah. Cause I think like often like the, the crux of the argument for like, you know why found footage isn't someone's cup of tea or whatever. Is that like, it's like, well in times of duress, like why are you still holding the camera? Like what is like put it down? Like no one in their right mind would be running with it. And here I thought it was really smart that like you have those, with weapons and then you have the cameraman who is now using the camera as a key. And he's like, you know, opening doors that aren't there. He's seeing things that aren't there. And I thought that was like kind of ingenious. And then you're sort of in this penthouse space with Medeiros and the way that the, you know, they use spatial like recognition. Like I thought it was like really smart because, you know, in rec, um, it's like the finale you get, I don't know a few minutes maybe it was like a few minutes of angela sort of like trying to like stumbling around in the dark and being quiet and here they're doing it and you already know who's there and i think that instead of focusing on the horrors of who, who like you know is definitely a grotesque figure and is very ghoulish but like they just use space really well. And I think, yeah, like using the, the camera and the infrared or the night vision as like a key to seeing other doorways, you're sort of like expanding this idea of what space really is, because there's things that are in front of you that, you know, aren't there to the people except for the cameraman. And I thought it was really cool. I think it opened up like sort of new barriers, um, you know, within like the, the genre, because yeah, I mean, you know you have to use that camera for something you're either trying to capture a story so you can show to the public and here it was like a tool for survival
0: yeah it really makes me wish that we had had more elements of that sort of you know exploring this other else world if you will um because you know they do spend a great deal of time throughout the movie having these you know these uh kind of interrogations of, you know, possessed children and whatnot, which is very much like, you know, it's tropes of the subgenre, which I'm not necessarily like super opposed to, but it just seeing where the film ends up and what we get in that finale, it kind of just feels like, uh, why was there not some other elements of this introduced earlier almost? Which I think, if you think about it, like what I was saying earlier, it does give the apartment setting that second wind that the sequel would need, right? And I think that that's what makes it And the end of the day, like be the best part of the movie for me is that finale, because it does take, you know, like we've said, that grotesque monster. If it had just been that and night vision, then it was like, well, that's sort of just like what we saw in um, uh, what was the grave encounters or something like that. That is very just kind of generic in the sense of here's a monster and night vision, but seeing them take that demonic possession element and apply it to. Not only the, you know, the space that we'd already been in the original film and redefining it for us and having it be not reliant on, you know, their firepower. Right. That's the thing where it's like, oh, well, we're going to send in heavily armed cops this time. This should be no problem. But I love that it really relies on them to work together in the end, especially with the civilian. Right. I mean, Angela ends up being the key to that, um, you know, up until up until the next twist, which I'd like to get into. Like, how did you feel about that final twist? Uh that really does kind of tie the uh <laughs> the doomsday bow on top of this? Um,
1: I mean, I think Angela um played it really well. I think her the character, um uh Manuela Velasco is the actor. Um I think she played like being shook up, sort of you know, the 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 lost aspect of it really well. Uh I can't say that I knew that there was that twist. Um, I mean, I guess it being possession-based or at least, I mean, it's an infection via like a worm almost because in the end, you know, it kind of flashes back to what happens off camera or, you know, at the tail end, what you don't see of Wreck. And it's, you know, uh, Mid-Earrow sort of like, vomits a worm like a vermiform organism into her mouth and that's what possesses Angela um, but yeah no I mean she was sort of uh, you know the light of the first film uh, she's super endearing uh, she's a fighter I like that she came back for this um, I prefer that twist I and I the thing that I thought was sort of frustrating is that at the end when she wants to get out and dr owens is sort of refusing you have like the you have like the camera like and she starts to like and she takes a shotgun and she like you know hits dr owen over the head and she's threatening to kill him if she doesn't let him out and you have the cameraman being like what are you doing oh my god like no and i'm like no like just let her out like you don't know that she's possessed she just literally has been in this hell for far too long and she wants to get out and I thought it was like really strange, like, like that reaction, because it was so opposite mine. Um, but I did love again how it taps into the sort of meanness of it. And it's just like she ends up killing him, killing the cameraman. And yeah, I I want I got I, got, I want more Angela. And so like that's what makes me excited for three and four. Whether or not she appears, I haven't looked up anything. Um, but you know. And she's the she's the backbone of this franchise, and I think that she's a great—I don't know—I guess final girl at this point, using that term loosely, but like also uh, antagonist. I think that she plays both beautifully. Um, But yeah, yeah, no, I I I like that twist. I didn't see it coming really.
0: Yeah, it totally caught me by surprise, and it further reinforces like it would have been great to get somebody of Angela's caliber for this film for majority of it right if we had gotten just one character of that squad that was as pronounced as she was um, in a way that you know granted I don't necessarily find any of the SWAT members all that memorable you know outside of maybe the leader of them but it would have just been nice to have had a central figure like that because then you get to the end of the movie and you'd say okay well here is this you know, the returning final girl. And then perhaps, you know, we have this final male character and then seeing kind of the dichotomy between them coming together. But then, of course, you know, you have that twist of her truly being the antagonist at this point in the movie, um, which I would have liked. And I I do like the very end, right, where she basically, Dr. Owen has that uh, walkie-talkie and its voice recognition. And only if he says so can they leave. Otherwise, whoever leaves will be shot. And, you know, it taps into the fact that since she's possessed, she can use anybody's voice uh, that she's encountered, which is actually used in a really creepy scene earlier in the movie that I liked, where um, the teens basically go into the apartment that the SWAT members had to lock one of their brothers in that was infected. And the teens only go in because they hear a little girl's voice, but then they get in there and it's just the guy standing there. And there's no like I, I really did like that scene. That's probably one of the more, I guess... It is probably like a cliched thing of demonic possession horror, but that was one that I really liked. And to see it come full circle into the conclusion of the movie and have that be like the last minute or the last second of the movie, uh, I thought was a good way of tying it all together in a way that, you know, at the time I doubt anybody thought they were going to make another one. So just leaving it on that sort of, well, what Dr. Owen has been, you know, being prophetic about of like, oh, well, The world ends if this escapes, if this breaks contagion or uh, containment. And so, you know, leaving it on that note of the realization that she's going to get out because of that, um, I thought was a great ending. And like you, I haven't seen three and four, but it's something that I'm definitely looking forward to diving into because I think that the fact that they're able to use the found footage format in infected horror and, you know, that's not like necessarily a new thing at the point that that these movies came out. But I think that the filmmakers behind it are capable of introducing really smart and creative ways to, you know, going through these genres and formats that at this point are fairly well established, but adding something more to them. Um, Again, like you, I appreciate the original film more. I think overall, it's just a better film. And not to say I'm not, I guess I will say I'm not as much a fan of the second film, but I still think that there are a lot of creative elements to it it's just the type of thing where it's like, I wish that that had been more pronounced throughout the movie and capitalizing on the fact that, you know, you're not ever going to capture that initial terror of, oh, what is going on? Like that's a lost cause essentially. So it would have been nice to see them introduce some of the more creative aspects of demonic and possession horror that they do in the later half of the film. But I kind of just am left wondering like, why wasn't that in the movie sooner? Because we already know. So if you get to that, earlier it becomes a more interesting experience overall I would think for me. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that the directors knew that they were going to make a
1: third one, um, when completing this, but I think like, you know, you have this one apartment complex in two films. I think that having Angela be possessed and sort of given clearance to break out of this apartment, I think it's like a really nice bow. Um, on these films to be like okay well we're moving on from the claustrophobia of this apartment complex and we're now going to tackle something outside of this and i do know that Rec three takes place at a wedding
0: um on a boat i think yeah
1: I, i mean how long after i'm not entirely sure but uh i think that right there gives it sort of life before it's able to breathe is this idea that it is now out in the world because i mean these directors have shown that they can deal with sort of the claustrophobia of this apartment complex. And, uh, you know, I'm very curious to see what they do. I know it's only Paco Plaza that does the third one, I think. And then um, the fourth one is jean i Balabuaro pronounced that correctly, but so, I mean, you know, and I think, again, I think both these movies handle the found footage format really well it doesn't get in the way visually Um, but this is these are two movies that i would probably you know in the next few months would definitely watch back to back because i think that they would like highly benefit from that Um, you know i know little white lies called this the greatest zombie sequel since dawn of the dead and i don't you know agree with that at all but i love that this movie you know gives people that sort of you know it gives them that because you know i i I do think that like you said there's a lot of elements there it's toying with a lot of things and it's offering a lot um i think watching it again i will be able to sort of focus on those rather than be sort of you know frustrated or perturbed by this you know this single angle but yeah uh it's It's a movie that's, I think I gave it three and a heart on Letterboxd, and it's one of those movies where I can see it going up, you know? But yeah, like you said, the first one, I just, especially with Angela being at the fire station and, like, the sort of the levity of the beginning of Wreck, it really amplifies everything that happens afterwards, and here, especially coming off of the first film, you're sort of already in the trenches, and it could be a lot, you know? which i think is why i'd like the action of this um because i just don't think that they're going to top the horror of it and they don't try to and i you know, do appreciate that i just like you know like you i'm not the biggest possession sort of fan so it sort of i don't know it wasn't the best direction to take but i was all for the ride nonetheless you know
0: Yeah. It's the type of thing where it's like, we wish that they had had a different foundation for it, but we do get some pretty memorable moments out of that. It just is not to the, uh, you know, the quantity or the frequency with which perhaps we would want from the sequel. But I highly recommend watching them back to back, like with, you know, the Halloween season soon to approach, like that's a great double feature. And I watched them. I watched the first film and then, you know, a couple days later, watched the second film. And then before this, I rewatched both of them back to back. And, you know, it was a lot of fun just going from in, it's the element of the night of and continuation that I love so much. So, you know, I every Halloween I do the double feature of Halloween and then Halloween 2, which, you know, it's very original. But I just love seeing the connectivity of picking up right where we left off and not wasting a lot of time, which, you know, even if Wreck 2 has a tendency at times to get a bit monotonous in exploring that religious horror and that possession horror and all these things. I am appreciative of the fact that they don't waste a great deal of time getting us into the trenches, into the apartment, right? We don't have to have 20 minutes of exposition about, here's what happened last time, right? It kind of just picks up right away. At the same time, you know, I still am excited to dive into Rec. 3 and Rec. 4, not necessarily with the same expectation of that connectivity, but I think it'll be interesting to see them take isolation horror to a new setting and then, I don't even know what to expect for uh rec four. So it's definitely a series that if people told me they were a fan of found footage films, I would definitely recommend, I would have more of a uh, inclination to recommend it. You know, it helps when they're less than three hours, I think for watch both of them. Uh, but I think that they give a variety of experiences between both films while still being very tied to maybe a traditional subgenre of apartment horror, found footage, sequel, and the things that we mentioned. Um, I guess before I let you go, if there were two other apartment horror films that you had to recommend to people, what do you think they would be? Um I'll pick a I'll pick
1: a kind of a recent one um and then I'll pick one that I guess is probably more common. Um I really like Toby Hooper's Toolbox Murders. Um I just sort of really love his direction. I love the the griminess of it the kills are very brutal um it was one i was very surprised of uh i own the original and i haven't seen it um so i can't really comment on it but yeah this was one of those like sort of mid 2000s remakes along with house of wax that i was like very surprised of um i i really enjoyed it and then uh i won't call that one recent so a more recent one i guess is um one one bedroom apartment uh, came out in twenty in the Netflix movie. Uh, it didn't change the genre and it didn't you know floor me, but uh, it had twists that I did not see coming. Um, and I don't know. I I love the genre. I love horror, but I often find new horror to be super cloying, and I don't often check it out. Unfortunately, I mean because there's just so much from you know, previous decades that I'm catching up with, um, but it was one that I was uh, I was surprised by. I I thought that you know, speaking of, you know, the the build from wreck to you know, like the levity of the in the beginning. I thought one bedroom one bedroom apartment had a lot of levity, sort of leaning leading up into this sort of, uh, I don't know. I guess the twist. Even if you see you see it coming from afar, you sort of you get attached to these characters to this character. Um, and yeah, I, I really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, I definitely would co-sign that for a uh, one bedroom apartment. That was one that, you know, they do a great job of establishing this character and their history, but they don't waste a great deal of time in doing that. You know, it feels very, just more organic than I think you'd be used to. And that definitely has a few twists that, uh, I was appreciative of as well. And, you know, the, Toolbox Murders was one that's been on my list for a while. So I'm definitely going to have to reprioritize that if you recommend no, it. Um, it's fun.
1: It's, I mean, if you look at like how sort of gr- grim and grimy House of Wax is, like this takes it to a different level. Like it's, you know, it's almost like Elisha Cuthbert getting her finger cut off and uh, Jared Padalecki getting, you know, all his hair ripped off and turned to wax. It's like those, you know, but it, and it has sort of like a black Xmas feel to it. It's good. Um, I really recommend that. Um, but I guess, like, before we go, I want think like, you mentioned watching Halloween 1 and 2 back-to-back as being sort of, you know, an obvious one to pair. But I did the same thing with Rob Zombie's Halloweens, and it really changes it, in, in my opinion. I know people have, you know, really strong opinions about the first one, and I think the second one, the director's cut, is, like, Borderline Masterpiece. It's, like, one of my favorite... Uh, horror films but watching them back to back is really really fun well if i use the the term (laughs) i know i know what you mean (laughs) it, it just it really helps me understand sort of like the the vision and not just be like oh well it's him turning michael myers you know with like hillbilly flair it's you know there's a lot more to it
0: those are, you know, maybe that's what I'm going to do this year instead. I'm going to swap out the 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 uh, OG Halloween one and two for zombies because I just this year or last year um, had seen Halloween his Halloween two and really really enjoyed it and then have you know since uh, had a better appreciation for his first remake of Halloween. So yeah, I think I'm def- I'll do that this year. I think you just gave me a a way to spend my Halloween, but. Uh, Greg, as always, I appreciate you coming on to chat, whether it's on uh, Safe Room for Games or Daily Horror Habit for movies. Thanks again. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to another episode of Daily Horror Habit. You can follow the show on Twitter at Daily Horror Pod or give me a follow at NotFunnyJ. Thanks again for listening and I'll see you guys next week.